Lord, in our hearts that's, that's not complete. In a sense, it'll, it'll always go deeper all the days of our life, but he's Lord. He's Lord. He's in our midst. And he's preparing his way, his way in us. This passage out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. Before I read it, this is what I'm feeling this morning, as he wants to continue to rid us of our opinions of church, our opinions, our ideas, our preferences. All of these things that rise in our minds, we ought to, we should, why don't we? All these questionings and reasonings of man and these are the things that the Lord declared he would do away with at the cross that he would do away with man's wisdom at the cross the reasonings the cleverness of men the reasonings of the wise is foolishness before God all of our preferences for church how church should look how church should go where the church should be let's let's personalize this right now I feel I'm just, there's this veil here this morning. Let's get real. Oh, we should do this. We ought to do that. Why didn't we do that? When will we do this? All of these questionings that, you know, can assault our minds. It's all the reasonings of man's wisdom because Jesus is Lord. He's building his church. It's his church. It's not Wesley's church. It's not Tom's church. It's not Joseph's church. This is Jesus' church. And all of my questionings and wonderings, and as sincere as they may be, listen, we are where we are because he's Lord. The crossing is where it is because Jesus is Lord of the crossing. He's Lord. And he's crafting. He's hewing out a cistern. Come on. Jesus is hewing a cistern in the earth that no man can hew. As, as sincere as Wesley or me or others may be, you may be, he's Lord, he's superior to us, and we're lending our ear to him, saying, Lord, what do you will? What do you prefer? Because what I will and what I prefer is irrelevant. It's second class. And all it leads to is the reasonings of the wise. In 2 Corinthians 1, 16, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he would instruct him? This is a serious passage for this season, I feel. Joseph, who has known my thoughts that you could tell me what to do? In, in the, the next passage is, yes, we have the mind of Christ, but the point of the passage is, we don't know it all. We need to hear. We need to lend our ear to cooperate with the progress and development of the ecclesia. Because he's Lord and he's superior. And I feel there's this relinquishing. And it's so important right now that I relinquish any quandary about the church. I want to say this again. Lord, we should. Why don't we? When will we? Why didn't we? All those questionings, reasonings of the wise man have been struck at the cross. And there's a higher wisdom in these passages. 
It's the wisdom of God that comes by revelation only. Come on, it comes by the Spirit's revelation and guidance to us as a spiritual family. We need one another because the Spirit's guidance comes through us, to us. But there's this lingering and waiting and yielding in, in lending the ear right now. We're relinquishing all control. Jesus, this is your church. If we linger all morning, so be it. If no one has a teaching, God forbid we speak. You are Lord. You are in our midst. You are the life of this church. You are the chief cornerstone of the crossing Carmel. You are the centerpiece. And I'm here for you. I'm not here for a church service. I'm here because he's Lord. And he's walking amongst the lampstand. And he wants our attention. He wants our ear. He wants our eye. He wants my attention. Because he needs us to follow on a greater level. He's calling us to follow him deeper still. And yet again. And it's going to cost me. And it's going to cost you to go where he wants to go. He wants us to follow. To keep in step with the Spirit. And if I have all of these preferences, opinions, traditions, philosophies, um, suggestions that aren't of the Lord, it's all creating clouds. And it's in the air and it's got to go. And it's this isn't a harsh word. Jesus is saying, let go and let God. All of it. Let go and let God. Stop asking the questions and making preferences and casting your opinion. It doesn't matter because I've got a higher opinion about you. And I've got the future settled. And that's why I need your attention in the present. Because the future is secure if you follow. If you can follow me as a family. If you can keep in step with my spirit's guidance. However it comes. Whoever brings the word. Whoever tells the word forth. Come on. We can't be familiar with one another in this season. He's releasing the word. The instruction for the moment. I want to share one more passage. Hebrews chapter 3. This is slapping me around. Not in a bad way. I use silly words, but don't misunderstand the heart of this. Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, chapter three. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Give him your attention. Consider him for a moment. He says, I know, I know you've got an awesome church filled with spiritual gifts, spirituality, all kinds of people. He says, but consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to the Father who appointed him. Just as Moses also was considered faithful in all of God's house. Verse 3, for he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. By so much as the builder of the house has more glory than the house. Listen, that's deep right here, right now, in this season. Because he's, he's appearing to us in this. I feel him here today. I feel like he's literally in the room. And our attention to him is enough. Relinquishing everything. Even just like, God, do this. Lord, do, just 
No, consider Jesus. And he has, he's superior to us. He's superior to the church that he's building. See, we aren't here for church. We're here for Jesus. And if we're really here for him, his church will be built. And it is being built. There is a good work that he has begun here. But listen, there is more. And I'm prophesying to us there's more. There's more for this church. Get your eyes off numbers. Let go of expectations because he has a plan. And our expectations are irrelevant if he's got something already written. <laughs> it's like our expectations and prayers often are like a plan in a book. And we put it down. And I hope it says what his plan says. <laughs> but I feel like there's just some misconstrued things. And he's just bringing it together. He's bringing us into the unity of the spirit. The unity of the spirit. The unity of the son of God. The builder of the house has more honor than the house. And, and we're going to give him our attention in this season. There's going to be Sundays like this where there's just he's here and it's enough. I'm not going to tell him what to do because I don't know. I can't see anything but Jesus right now, and that's okay. That's okay. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. If we've been in a quandary, if I've been in a quandary about this church community at all in any measure, that verse right there is the answer. The builder of all things is God. Forget who, how many, where they're from, young, old, Baptist, charismatic, righteous. I mean, it doesn't matter. He's building his church, period. Like, it's not and, it's period. And these philosophies of men, you touched on this the other night, these traditional mindsets of, oh, I can't wait till the church looks like, listen, it may never look like. Because the builder of all things is God. And principally, it will look like a certain way. But how that formulates and plays out, right? Listen, this is so serious right now. These veils are being torn. And I want to I just tear it myself. I want to rend my own veil. Get out of his way. So he can build his church, his way, and his time, how he sees fit. Right here. Right now. So yeah, those first four verses are, ooh, I feel it's like strong drink right now in my stomach. It's strong. It's potent. He's Lord. He's superior to us. He's superior to the ministry, to the church itself. He's the chief cornerstone. The Jews stumbled over their cornerstone when he showed up and appeared because he wasn't he didn't appear in a form they expected and they stumbled over it and they rejected their cornerstone they said we'll build it otherwise because you don't fit the plan you don't fit the profile and Jesus is appearing to the church and the religious will stumble those who are bound by philosophies and traditions of men or a religious spirit will stumble in this hour and listen, that stuff's in us as Americans. It's in us as Mainers. And he's cleansing. He's sanctifying the congregation of these things. 
so that we don't stumble as he begins to appear. That we just honor, we glorify. Lord, I don't have all the answers, but I know you. I don't see anything but you. I don't know if it's left, right, put it in reverse. We just stop. It's you're here. You're Lord. And you're building. You're building us up. Yeah, it's so um, funny, and this happens here because the Spirit of God's moving, but I didn't share anything with Joseph that I felt on my heart. I just want to clarify that before I even say anything because what he just released is exactly, I just want to, <laughs> not only in the same book, in the chapter earlier, but the same message, and I just want to confirm it. I'm not even going to speak that long because he just... Uh, made it so clear what the Spirit is saying. Um, and I think that even in the worship this morning, it's just clear that God is speaking something to us as a community that's being released. It's all, it's that last song. It's all about you. It's not about me as if you should do things my way, right? That's, that's the message, as if you should do things my way. You alone are God, and we surrender to your ways. And the passage that the Lord kept bringing to mind for today was in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, which he was in chapter 2. So we're just going a little earlier, and it's the same message that Paul is releasing over the church, and it's what God is speaking today. In verse 9, he says, God is faithful. By him you were called into companionship and participation with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. But I urge you and entreat you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in perfect harmony and full agreement in what you say, and that there be no dissension or factions or divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in your common understanding and in your opinions and your judgments. That you be perfectly united in your common understanding in your opinions, and in your judgments. For it has been made clear to me, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions and wranglings and factions among you. What I mean is this, that each one of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Peter, or I belong to Christ. Is Christ the Messiah divided into parts? Was Paul crucified? On behalf of you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except for Crispus and Gaius, lest any of you should say that I that lest anyone should say that I baptized in my own name. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech or verbal eloquence, that the lest the cross of Christ should be deprived of force and emptied of its powered, power and rendered vain. For the story and the message of the cross is sheer absurdity and folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And he goes on to say that the wisdom of man is foolishness, is foolishness, but the wisdom of God is power, and the wisdom of God looks like foolishness to man. The whole point 
is that it has nothing to do with the builder. Paul, Apollos, Peter were all building the church. And what was happening was that people, what Paul heard from uh, these leaders was that, hey, Paul, what's happening is people are saying, well, I'm with Paul and I'm with Peter and I'm with Apollos. And all of them were doing the same thing. They were all building the church. They were all serving Jesus with their whole hearts. But these factions and divisions came because of divided opinions, like Joseph was just saying. Well, I like this over here. I like the preaching over here better, so I'm with these people. I'm with this church. Or no, well, I like the music over here, so I'm with this church. And these divided opinions, people were saying, I'm with Paul, I'm with Peter, as if Christ can be divided. He has one church that he's building, and he is the builder. He is the master builder. And we need to become united in what it says here in our common understanding, in our opinions, and in our judgments. How can we become in agreement in our opinions? That seems like a very difficult thing today, right? Everyone has an opinion about everything, believers alike, that have caused so much division in the church and then what we're putting on display to the world is a divided church that no one can agree on anything because we all have different opinions yeah. and thoughts, and it's causing division. The way that we come into a common opinion and clear understanding is when we're submitted to Christ and to the love of God and to the master builder, Jesus, of his church, and we stop looking at the natural things and thinking, uh, I mean, being completely clear here, or an, a clear example among us, we would say, oh, there's eight people in the room. What's the point of having a church community in Carmel? It's just eight people. What's the point of gathering? When you're looking in the natural, when you're looking through man's eyes and man's opinions of what looks like success, of what looks like uh, something that God's favor is on. Oh, God must not be here. It's not growing. God must not be here. There's only five people. God must not be here. That's a lie. That's the wisdom of the age. It doesn't matter what it looks like in the natural. If God is here and he's saying to do it, he's saying to gather, he's saying it's all about me. Yeah. It's all about me. Get your eyes off of the natural circumstances and be united in your opinions, which your opinions are, Jesus be glorified. Jesus be glorified. Our common understanding is it's all about Jesus. The cross is the power. That's what Paul was saying here. Get your eyes off of the people. Get your eyes off of the leaders. Paul, Peter, Apollos, get your eyes off of them. And get them on Jesus and the cross. And you will come into unity of heart and mind as we're all focused on the cross. This is what Jesus is doing in my heart right now. In this season, he's doing it. He's shifting things in my own heart. And saying, get, get focused again, Wesley. Get focused again. What are you after? Are you after a room full of people, or are you after my heart? 
Are you after obedience, saying yes to me? Because I'm doing something, and you have, I've invited you in to participate with me. Is that not enough? Is that not enough, that we participate with God in what he's calling us to do, not in what looks like outwardly successful ministry or church or whatever you want to call it, that we partner with him in our yes and say, glory to God, I can have joy in that. I can be fulfilled in that. And we can be fully united. We will be fully united as we set our hearts and our minds on the master builder and know that he is the one building his church. That is the message. I mean, I, I'm, I'm saying I did not say one word to him. He came back to me and I said, please, go share this. And I didn't even tell him then that that's exactly what the Holy Spirit had released to me. We've got to get our eyes on Jesus again and on the cross, which is the power of God. It's the power of God. The philosophies and the traditions, I shared this at BHOP, and it's been rolling around. It's from Colossians 3. Paul writes to another church, and he says, don't be deceived or held captive by these philosophies and traditions of man. You have to break free from them because Jesus and the cross is enough. It's freedom. It's power. That's what Paul's saying. It's power to us who believe. And that word power is dunamis power, miraculous power, breakthrough power. And that's what we've got to start walking in. The only way we will is when we get our eyes on Jesus again. And we get it off of what's here right in front of us. And we lift up our eyes to see Jesus on the throne and say, you're worthy. Whatever you ask of me, whatever you want from me, Jesus, you're worthy. If I'm in this room with five people for the next 10 years because that's his purpose, glory to God that I would be faithful to the faithful one in every area of my life and ministry, every ounce that I pour out. It's not about numbers. And if we are, if we have any of that in us, which I repent, I have had some of that in me. God, rid me of it. Oh, Lord, I want the church to grow. And, and some of that sincere desire I want to see the community grow. I want to see people connected and, and loving one another and growing with one another. I want to see the family grow here. I want to see freedom over people. But it can't be about that. That's not the purpose. That's not the focus. The focus is Jesus be glorified. You want a remnant in Carmel? We'll be a remnant in Carmel. Because at the end of this age, I'm entering into another age where I stand before him for my obedience, yes. which is my love to him. And I want to hear from him, well done, my good and faithful servant. When we stand before him in the next age, in eternity, everything else of this age will be stripped away. And all that will be left is, did we love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Did I love him? Did I love him? 
in the Gospel of John, it says that our, Jesus says, those that love me, obey me. Our obedience to him is a direct display of our love for him. Whatever he asks of us, whether big or small, in man's eyes. Because I think when we get there on that day, the things that were small here are going to be the big things there. I truly believe because it's the kingdom that's inside out. It's upside down. That's the Misty Edwards song, if you remember. It's an inside, outside, upside down kingdom. Inside, outside, upside down kingdom where you lose to gain and you die to live. That truly is the kingdom of God. So I believe, I, I, I think we're going to be so like, whoa, what happened? Because we estimated things through this man's lens of wisdom, through the philosophies and the traditions of our day and our opinions formulated around philosophies and traditions of today. And we're going to, yeah, even church philosophies of, of success, of growth, and all of that's going to be stripped away in that day. And I think he's going to say to us here, well done, my good and faithful servants. You said yes to me. You obeyed me. You loved me well. You participated with me in joy because it should be joy. And if there's something that's not joyful about it, of course, there's hard things. You know, we've talked about the pressure and pressure is doesn't always feel good. But there should be joy, the joy set before us. If there's not joy in my heart, in the work that God's called me to, then something needs to shift in me. It's not the work that needs to shift. It's my heart. I want to say that again. It's not the work that needs to shift. It's my heart. If I'm doing the work that he's called me to and obeying him and saying yes to him, and I'm not finding joy in it. There's something in my heart that needs to shift. And I really believe it has to do with this message of focusing, refocusing, realigning with Jesus. He's worthy. The cross was foolishness, but yet he went there. In the eyes of man, it said it was foolishness to the world that the king of glory would have to die. It looked foolish to the world. I'm sure it looked foolish to his disciples. In fact, they tried to stop him. Peter tried to stop him. And what Jesus said to him was, get behind me, Satan. To one of his closest friends. That's pretty intense. Because he was so focused on what he needed to do for the joy set before him. That he would not let any philosophy or opinion of the de day deter him in where he was going and what he was doing. So much so that he looked his dear friend in the eye and said, get behind me, Satan. Because what Peter was saying was not of God. It was not the life of God. It was not the purpose of God. He, it's, it's the words. Our words have power. Our words have power. That's why when we're just throwing opinions around, they have power that's creating atmosphere, that's creating death. It's, it's the word says that the, the power of life is in the tongue. 
Actually, it says life and death are in the power of the tongue. The tongue has power. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. That's why Jesus dealt with it so severely in his dear friend. He wasn't being mean. Paul is not being mean. This is actually great news that it's all about the cross, that we don't have to strive for some outward appearance of things. That's great news. That's not something that's like, oh, that's harsh. No, this is freedom. It's freedom to know that the cross is the focus. I'm not the focus. My ministry is not the focus. You're not the focus. Your ministry is not the focus. Jesus is the focus, and that's freedom. That's freedom. That's joy. When I say it's not about me, it's not about what it looks like. It's about Jesus. And I can constantly pull back to the cross and the power of the cross and say this is the center of all human history. Not only the center today and the center of our hearts, it's the center of all human history is the cross of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. It is the center And in that, when we, when we begin to shift our focus again, where that's the focus, not my ministry, not my name, not my success, whatever, that's all shifted to Jesus, then the power of the cross can flow freely from our lives, from our worship, from our messages, in our day-to-day -day relationships. The power of the cross will begin to flow through us, and then we will have a message that matters for the world. That's the message that matters to the world is there's power in the cross. There's power in the cross. You have anxiety. You have depression. Hey, guess what? There's power in the cross to break it. There's freedom in the cross. That is when our message will matter and our words will matter and our opinions will be aligned with one another I pray for that day here in this community that our opinions, our common understanding would come into alignment. Do you know how much power and faith is in a room when you have a body of believers, whether two, three, or however many, together in common agreement and understanding, unity? Do you know how much power there is in their midst? Oh, we can't even understand it. It is beyond what we can fathom. Beyond what we can understand. This life that we're in right now, this natural realm that we're in, do you realize since the beginning of time, before the beginning of time, the spiritual realm always came first? It's always been first. It, it, there was a spiritual realm before there was a natural realm. Right? And, and after this life, we're going back into a spiritual realm. Heaven. His kingdom. The reason why I say that is because we're in this short period of time before, after a spiritual realm, 
And at the end where there's a spiritual realm, there's a, a middle ground where it's both spiritual and natural, and there's war being waged that we would get stuck in the natural. That's the traditions, the philosophies, the opinions of today are in the natural realm where physical things reside. And we see things with our physical eyes in the physical realm, and it trips us up. It can cause us to stumble. I, I know that I've stumbled with seeing things in the physical realm and the natural realm. Like I just said, with numbers, I'm being honest. I repent of that. God's rooting it out of my life. I don't have to be ashamed of that or hide it. Who cares? <laughs> he sees it, so it's seen. Whether you see or not doesn't matter. He sees it. He's rooting that out of me. It's a natural thing. And you get stuck. We get stuck in those natural things. But I'm not living for this natural realm. This age is ending. And all, the Bible says, and all that's in it. Far be it from me that I would get stuck here. Searching for some fame here. Searching for some outward success here. Or some name or some ministry that's known here. Oh, it's so far from the heart of God. It's so far from what he displayed. Jesus lived hidden for 30 years. The son of God. He lived hidden. He didn't come out until just the last three years of his life. Because he was living for another age. His obedience is what mattered. He didn't care about fame or success. There wasn't even an ounce or a seed of that in him. It wasn't. Clearly. Because that's the only way that he could stay hidden for 30 years. And then when the time was ripe, he came out for three years knowing that its end would be death an excruciating death. He is our example that we would allow for him to deal with the factions in our opinions, the divisions, anything in our heart that causes us to divide or to be against one another because the goal is unity of the faith. Unity, one heart, one mind, one purpose, one focus. Paul writes, one, there's only one spirit, one baptism. It's Ephesians 4. Just one spirit, one baptism, one heart, one mind, one faith. It's unity. He's bringing us into it. It says in verse 24, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than man and the weakness of God is stronger than man. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world 
to shame the things which are strong and the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that they are so that no man may boast before God. So that no man may boast before God, but by his doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness, sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. We have to allow him to strip us of all these things, even thinking that we're something. <laughs> Clearly, he says he chose the foolish and the weak and the base things. Thank you, Father. <laughs> I'm in the company of the foolish, the weak, and the base so that I could stand and say, I glory in God. It was nothing of me. It couldn't be. I boast in God alone, the master builder, the one who builds his house. He's got to get there. It is what he's doing. He's preparing it, preparing us as a community, preparing our hearts. And I just want to reiterate one last thing that Joseph said that I have been feeling and sensing for the past few weeks is that these things that we hold, they clutter the air. I, I know this sounds like super spiritual. It, it's just, well, we it is spiritual. <laughs> I can't get around that. It is spiritual because we're, we're spiritual beings as well. So it clutters the air when we're trying to, when we're gathering together to worship, to pray, to preach. If we're carrying these divisions in our hearts, divisive opinions, thoughts, factions, it's going to clutter the air. And we're going to feel it when we're together. Have you ever come into a room and felt like heaviness? Like what are, or when we're worshiping, I know for me sometimes it's when we're worshiping and we're singing and you're just like, I, I know a lot of worship leaders can feel this way, others too, but you sometimes feel like, man, I just feel like we're running up against a brick wall <laughs> over and over and over again. Some of that has to do with just the air. What's in the air? What are we carrying? Because the more clear we are, <laughs> we're going to go to different places together as a community and hear God and release what he's releasing musically, uh, through song, through word, in love for one another and love for him. We've got to hear this word. I've got to hear it. I've got to hear it. I'm asking God. I've been asking God for for the past several weeks, he's started to bring this up in my heart and to deal with it. He's, he's touching on it in me, and I'm thankful for it. He's a faithful God. He deals with the stuff in our heart. He deals with the things that sometimes we don't even see that we're functioning in, and he puts his finger on it. He's like, Wesley, look, this is in you, and it's time for it to come out of you, <laughs> to be cleansed, to be set free, whatever, it just needs to be, yeah, refocused. There's got to be this clearing out of this stuff in you, these thoughts that you have or opinions that you have that are not in alignment with the cross, with who I am and with what I'm saying. Oh, that God would deal with it in me and oh, that he would deal with it in us. 
and, and the freedom, because that's what I keep thinking is like, oh, God, be within me. What, what needs to be done? What do I need to repent or what, what do I need to do to get rid of this? Because I know freedom's on the other side of it. <laughs> Joy is on the other side of it. Because when you stop striving for something, like for me, this numbers thing, or wanting to see the church grow or whatever, then I if I when I get free from that, because I'm not yet, there's still stuff there, I'll be honest. I know it is. I can feel it. But when he deals with that, I know on the other side, I'm going to have joy. And like... Hey, if it's me and Tom in the room, woohoo! Glory. Truly, that it could get that joyful. And Winona, of course, Winona's always going to be with us now. The three of us, two or three gathered in my name, right? We've got it in our family. <laughs> but oh, I'm just saying, at the root of it, at the base part in me, it's got to be about Him, that it doesn't matter what, what I'm seeing naturally. And, and I let him deal with me in those areas, and I want him to, and I welcome him to, because I know there's joy on the other side. There's freedom on the other side, and it's what he's doing with. It's not just me. I know <laughs> there are others in this room that God is dealing with stuff in our hearts, and he's getting stuff out of the way so we can be all that he created us to be together right now, and so he can build effectively. Amen. I just want to encourage everybody to just kind of bear yourself before the Lord, not in this like <laughs> under condemnation, like, oh, man, again. Oh, God, he's going to say something again. Like there's he's always put not like that in the sense of knowing that there's freedom. There's a alleviament, relief for the heaviness in your heart if you carry any. If there's any there anything there causing tension or ooh, unsettledness, knowing that there's freedom, we come before God and say, Okay, God, what is it you gotta deal in me? That's not centered on Jesus, that might have some philosophy or tradition of the world in it where my opinions have been affected by here as opposed to here. My opinions and philosophies have been affected by what I see in the natural, by church culture today, as opposed to just Jesus at the center and him being the motivator of all things that I say and do at all times. He's got to have it. That's what we're after. I mean, it would be worthless otherwise, right? Paul writes to the in Corinthians 13, he says, all of it is pointless if it's not in love. And those things are not in love. Right, that has to be the center, us loving God, which is our obedience toward him, to him, and all that he says. Otherwise, it's worthless. Paul says he could give everything that he owned to the poor, and it would mean nothing if it wasn't in love. He could speak in tongues as much as he wanted. Anyone could. Without love, it means nothing. None of those things matter if not in love to God without him at the center.